Welcome back to 7 Seconds or More. This is a bit of an emergency episode right after Game 6 of the NBA Finals. I've got Dan with me. Dan, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me again. Uh, I, I always forget to introduce myself, so that is your host, Peter Howarth, as always. But yeah, I'm doing okay uh, as a Celtics fan. I'm not like throwing that off because I don't know. They just weren't as good. It wasn't like they, they threw the game out at the end or or something like that. So I, I cannot feel like awful about the way that we played. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I will. I would like to extend congratulations to the Warriors because it is uh, just virtually unprecedented to have an aging core like that hit rock bottom, and then they retooled around that core. They didn't break it up, and then they hit the peak again. I, I was just going through a couple. Uh, the recent Spurs with with Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili, they retooled, but they, they never hit the bottom. They were always competitive. They just, there was a lot of great teams. There were the seven seconds or, or less Suns. There were the Dirk, Mavs the Kobe Lakers, and then some some other competitive teams in there. And Jordan's Bulls, they hit rock bottom, quote-unquote, not like number two pick bad, but that's because the GOAT retired. <laughs> Michael true. Jordan switched sports. <laughs> and that that's what it took for them. Um, so just amazing work by really everyone in that organization. Bob Myers plugging the Absolutely. right holes. They just found great guys at great values and prices that – we're so hungry to win and complimentary to uh, the existing pieces there. Um, that extends out to Joe Lacob as well, willing to, we talked about it last episode, being able to put the resources into the team, paying the luxury tax, getting in that new Chase Center and keeping that core intact through two lost seasons. I mean, for, just for you watching it, how does it uh, feel when you watch how this team has changed? You know, there's no Livingston no Barbosa, Iguodala is not really a factor, but then you have Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton yep. II, just and they're they're filling those same roles, those great complementary roles around the the big three. Yeah, they've. I mean, the roster construction has been amazing, like you said. Um, they're finding ways to fill out the roles that were left absent, and they're taking chances on guys that um, were overlooked before, and they're working out. They're turning out to be great role players. Uh, so yeah, a lot of props to that front office, Bob Myers. Uh, Bob Myers does not get the credit with the, When everyone talks about like the best GMs, it's to a degree, Danny Ainge, not really, but it's like Daryl Morey and, uh, Sam Presti, mm-hmm. uh, and to a degree, uh, RC Buford, I believe in San Antonio and then, then Pat Riley. But Myers does not get the credit uh, he deserves. I mean, he did not trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love back in the day. <laughs> Forgot about that. He sticked with Steph. They got him on a bargain contract. Uh, uh, and honestly, I think uh, what's not being talked about, Kevin Durant should get a ring for uh, for doing that sign and trade, getting D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, without Wiggins, I don't know if they win the ring. I don't think they do. I don't. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, he, he played a big role against Dallas. He, I mean, in the regular season, he played uh, a lot of minutes for them, and it's just a great rotational player, and obviously yeah. what he's done the past couple games. But uh, going through Curry, Clay, and Draymond, just some sort of like macro things I've been thinking about after this. Uh, for Curry, it was just like a real torrid playoff and finals run. He, uh, I, I asked this question on our 
our Instagram poll on if he was a uh, if he was a top ten player ever. Uh, it, I don't think it's too reactionary. I would say he is due to uh, being the best player on a championship team. He did it twice. I would say Durant was better the other two times. But mm-hmm. an, an iconic player, four time champion, two time MVP, uh, unanimous MVP as well. Um, and this was something I didn't think a lot about. Um, so don't come at me if if you disagree <laughs> with the list. Although if you disagree with the list, let me know. Leave a comment or something. Uh, please interact. <laughs> um, so most impactful players in the history of the sport, either this is like they changed the way the, the game is played, brought more attention to it, uh, just greatness. So if I were to do four, I did Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, and Steph Curry. Um, Russell in terms of greatness and, and also what he did in terms of civil rights. Mm. Uh, Michael Jordan in being a greatness personified and being an icon for anyone that grew up then and, yeah. and making the game of bos- basketball global and, and making it uh, just kind of making it like a bigger presence in terms of marketing and being like an icon like that. Shaq in terms of uh, really dominance uh, yep. Sort of changing the the geometry of the game, very similar to the way Steph did. How yeah, I you, think their gravity is very similar. Yeah, JJ did a you did a great thing saying how Steph is like the sun in the gravity that that he encapsulates. And this was something I was talking about when I was watching the game. I was like, I'm more scared of Steph as a passer a lot of the time because he has eyes on the back of his head. He yep. knows the exact play to make at the right time, at his pace. Uh, he's just brilliant. And and as a finisher, he gets so underrated too. Finish left, right, through anyone. He can blow past guys. And people don't talk about that. They talk about the three-pointers. Such a great touch around the room. He, uh, you know, he was able to get past Al Horford. <laughs> Poor Al. Great series. Great, great run for him, though. Al got left on an island. They didn't even help... <sighs> Like yeah, they're just watching. They'd have Grant Williams like stuck to Draymond in the corner. I'm like, come <laughs> on, like, can you or Looney? And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like, come over. Yeah. Um, but uh, then Clay, his shooting wasn't always there, as we were just uh, talking about. And his legs kind of seemed a little dead, and he couldn't get the same lift on yeah. some of the stuff. But and he tried to get into rhythm. He couldn't quite do that. But mm-hmm. he still did a great job navigating through screens, and they still had to respect him. And he hit some great, tough caction shoots through contests. And he and I think what his greatest contribution was in the last three games, he was on Jalen Brown like glue. He took away the right hand, and he forced a lot of classic bad Jalen Brown passes where he's in the air, throwing it out to someone who's not there, or getting yeah. the ball ripped from him. Yeah, Jalen's got a he's got to work on going left because I think I saw a lot of Draymond just sitting on his hip just daring him to go left, ready to strip him. And yeah, that's definitely something he's going to be looking to work on this summer, probably. I'm a little glad that Jalen was exposed in this way because there's no way that any team will now let him go right. Yeah. The game plan will be get Jalen left, throw a crowd at him, (laughs) and get him to dribble off his foot because that's what works. (laughs) So I think Jalen will be in the lab working on that left hand, working through contact contact and um, trying to not play as much in a crowd. 
But what did you think about Clay's uh, defensive contributions as being someone who he used to be known as as a two way guy and and the primary defender you would throw and have Steph hide in the corner, but now as someone who you can rely on more one on one against bigger wings like like a Jalen Brown. You know, like he's a serial winner. He knows what it takes to win. Um, he's played in the league for a while. He's played at the highest level for a while. So. I think just his knowledge itself is a huge plus to the Warriors, having him out there on the court, and especially Steve Kerr trusting him and his teammates trusting him to defend in those one-on-ones for a guy that hasn't played in a while or didn't play for a while, coming off a big injury. Um, I think it says a lot about um, his teammates and Steve Kerr putting that trust in him and letting him letting him get out everything that he'd been building up for the past three years or so. It was just a lot of trust by Kerr, and uh, I think Kerr did a great job. I, like I was saying the other couple, um, last episode, that in the first couple games, I think Udoka was out coaching him. But Kerr, he really got a feel for the game and, and put guys in at the right time. He figured out, uh, based off of how things were going in the court, if we need more shooting, put in mm-hmm. pool, if they wanted to... If Brown or Tatum got some momentum, they put in Gary Payton to throw throw them off, and then. Do you think um, that's a difference of experience or? A little bit, I think. I mean, this is what Kerr's sixth finals he's coached in, and he's all and he also played in like like five or something. I he just he he knows he knows the moment. Mm-hmm. I think Udoka can get there. I think he's a smart enough basketball mind. Um. But uh, there's a lot to say about experience in that case. Udoka, after the game, actually said that he doesn't think it was as much about the Celtics' lack of experience, and it was more about how much experience the Warriors had. Mm. And you know, Kerr, Kerr is always is always pretty cool. He's pretty unfazed by anything that goes yeah. on. I think that instills a lot of confidence in any of his players, top to bottom, on the roster too. Like. You know, Jordan Poole's not scared. He enabled Gary Payton to be in this great place. Otto Porter is like a really good role player for them. So Mm -hmm. do you think that that Kerr is, is he on that short list of of best best coaches all time? Or do you think it's just, you know, it's a great team? Like you can't, you can't mess up. I don't know. I, I feel like you have to put him up there with one of the best coaches of all time. But also, I think most of the Warriors' success comes from Steph being who he is, being so unselfish, humble. Um, Especially when he came back from injury, he was coming off the bench. And when your superstar is coming off the bench without any complaints, uh, without any drama, none of the other role players or players that typically come off the bench can complain because their superstar is not doing it. So I think that Steph really just sets the tone for the entire team the entire squad and the organization to have to build this type of legacy and uh, dynasty. But yeah, Steve is definitely one of the best. I, I like almost completely forgot that stuff had come off the bench and he was like amazing off the bench. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to believe anyone of that caliber, regardless of the situation, would ever come off the bench. Yeah. But it is so tough with the coaches because if you look at, I don't know, the list of the best coaches of all time, They've all won championships, and they've all won championships because they've been coaching great players. Mm-hmm. Granted, there have been coaches who have coached great players and haven't won, 
but it, it's like, you know, chicken or the egg sort of thing. Um, but, I mean, if you look at a guy like Doc Rivers, he's probably one of the better coaches of all time. And he's coached a lot of great players, but Stop. he has one yeah. ring. So yeah. it's, again, it's one of those chicken or the egg things. Uh, it takes a lot to win the championship. It's not just one or the other. You need everything coming together. And it's a lot of luck too, I think. Oh, yeah. You need a real perfect storm of of health, luck, and and everything in between. Uh, just to wrap up the, uh, the big three here with Draymond, it's just more and more clear that he is like the ultimate competitor. And he is in that short tier of the uh, the best complementary players in a dynasty. I have a couple like Dennis Rodman, Manu Ginobili, Dennis Johnson, all Hall of Fame players. But True. just as, as guys who just super complimentary, but also so important. And he had supreme confidence in himself, and he had a just amazing stretch on both ends because that was a vintage Draymond performance that last night. That was vintage. Those two threes of an, that deep two over Rob with the shot clock winding down, I think that was... Oof. He had the backpack on. He, he was shooting those threes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, the deep two, I was like, okay. So <laughs> I like how they're playing off him. They're not, uh, they're taking away any of the outlets. But I know you can you can block a lot of shots, Rob. But can you get like a foot up? Like a hand in his face or something? He's not like, these are still professional basketball players. He can still <laughs> shoot a wide open jump shot. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, just an amazing job by Draymond. Vintage, again, something we haven't seen him play like that in a couple of years, but it just shows that he is one of those one of those guys where if you're in a if you're in a closeout game, do or die game, you want Draymond on your team. He's got a big mouth, and he backed it up last night. It, it's such it's so weird the juxtaposition of Draymond because you know he'll he'll talk like mad trash and he'll be so incensed over calls. <laughs> But at the same time, like after the game, he was like, you know, these Celtics fans were great, uh, super competitive, and you know, a mad respect to like everyone. Like the way he talks, he's is incredibly well spoken. And if you if you didn't watch him play, if you didn't see some of the antics, you'd be like, how does anyone not like this guy? He is just yeah. like top notch. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so right after this break, we're just going to get started uh, talking about you know some of the nitty-gritty, some of the, the runs by Boston and Golden State. So we'll do that right after the break. Coming back from the break, just want to talk about how the Celtics started the game because they came out playing great. I mean, they were on a 12-2 run to start. You're playing with a lot of pace. They looked like what the post-January Celtics were doing, and that's why they were playing so well in terms of decisiveness with the ball quick passing uh great shot making like deep threes from Jalen brown and and tatum off the dribble stuff and they just played with great energy on both ends played with a lot of purpose uh purpose is sort of a word that kind of resonates with me because it seemed like they had no purpose the rest of the night um Mm -hmm. also during that run the warriors looked kind of uncomfortable they couldn't really catch up to what boston was doing their little step step slow on offense they were forcing some tough stuff on offense and uh, I didn't really trust the Celtics to keep that lead just because of the way Golden State uh, plays in terms of resilience and going on runs but it seemed like the way they were playing that they had a firepower and they had the juice 
just stay in it. But um, then it was sort of the collapse of all collapses uh, by Boston and just a great stretch by Golden State. And just watching that whole thing, I mean, Ime Udoka called two timeouts in like 57 seconds of game time. Just what did it feel for you watching it? Was it, did it just feel like it was over? Because many people waved the white flag online. I saw number one on my Twitter trending was congrats to the Warriors. <laughs> Ooh, got to stay off Twitter mid-game. I'm telling you, mid-game, like timeout Twitter, it, <laughs> it's like really tough. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about that? Because it was just a great, just an amazing stretch by Golden State and as bad as Boston has played in, in a long time. Yeah, that was a, a 20-something point run, right, by the Warriors? Uh, they had 21 in a row, yeah. 21 to 0 run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty neutral. Like, I wasn't, like, rooting for really either team, but I could imagine for Boston fans and for that Boston team, it was pretty demoralizing watching Steph starting to pull up for fun in like early third quarter, whatever that was. Um, but yeah, that like the Boston team just looked a bit shook, especially Tatum. He was, he looks tired in that third quarter. He was resorting to kind of moving towards the corner and a superstar like him, he, you got to demand the ball, but he didn't look like he was, he really wanted the ball. I agree with you. And we'll get into more Tatum stuff later because I think there's a lot to talk about there. But I, yeah. it was just, they have a weird body language thing where that this team oftentimes looks very down. And the only ones that, that look like they have any energy are Al Horford and Marcus Smart. But <laughs> yeah, at the same time, this Al. team has been so good in the past couple series of being resilient and, and pulling mm-hmm. runs and games out of almost nowhere. So it, just, it it doesn't look like they ever want to be in it, but but they play like they do. But at that point, they had they had neither. They were it was sloppy passes, you know, classic Jalen Brown just throwing the ball away and dribbling off his foot, and then Tatum looking kind of scared and just completely out of it. Mm-hmm. He, he looked like I don't know. I haven't seen Tatum play that way in a long time in terms of just being completely out of a game it looked like both physically and mentally that the wiggins is the tatum stopper i think we finally found him yeah do you think wiggins is the best defender that uh, tatum's had to come against i know halliburton came on the jj reddick podcast and touched upon this yeah uh tyrese did say it. my guy tyrese the guy tyrese tyrese uh, I'm probably going to lean into saying yes because for a couple things, I don't think Boston, um, in terms of their scouting, I don't think they scout Wiggins the same way they scout like a Drew Holiday or or even yeah. a Draymond Green in terms of mm-hmm. maybe we don't want to go against this guy in this situation. Uh, a, uh, also, Wiggins has nothing to lose. Uh well, I guess no one has nothing to lose, but Wiggins especially. Like, he's not um, scared of getting a couple fouls, quick fouls or anything like that. And mm-hmm. and C, he has... So I talked about this last pod. Uh, he has so much energy because A, he doesn't need to do everything on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and B, that there's... 
that it's also like no pressure. Like Drew Holiday had to, he took like 20 plus shots every game last round with the yep. Bucks, And he was their number, they, he had to be their number two guy after Giannis without having Middleton. And I mean, for the Warriors, he ended up being their second best player, but he is probably like fourth in the hierarchy after Steph, Clay, and probably Poole in terms of yeah. volume scoring. Right. He's also like super athletic and yeah, it's like he just realized that he can grab rebounds like that. I mean, definitely like you said, it's a shift in what his role is on the team. Like when he was on the Timberwolves, he was obviously one of the primary scoring options. So he wasn't really a rebounder, but now on the Warriors he's the most athletic guy on that team. And uh a lot of credit goes to Looney. I think he did a great job of uh he got into foul trouble early last in the previous game, but uh, he does a lot of boxing out, and it seems like the Warriors, they capitalize on him uh, boxing out and having someone come up through the middle and snagging those boards. And someone that's so athletic like Wiggins, he gets up and it's just, he seems very motivated, and it's good to see him play with such uh, such intensity, and he really wants those rebounds. Board man gets paid. <laughs> He's the real board man. He like 17 rebounds or 16. Now we talked about that uh, last time. But it, it's amazing. For as well as he played, I think a lot of it was Looney coming off the bench because bringing Poole and Looney off the bench ended up being a lethal combination. When they bring Looney in, A, a he's fresh, and B, he's going against Al and Rob who have, who have been running out a couple minutes and they play so much that they're mm-hmm. tired. Looney will bang in the post. He'll he'll put his hip in the guys to get offensive rebounds. And then you just have Jordan Poole wide open off these second second contests because there was a lot of Jalen Brown looking around. Marcus Smart for yeah. as even though he's the defensive player of the year, he he looks around sometimes and, and he just waits for the rebound or you know, yeah, I, I I don't like Marcus Smart knows he knows how to play basketball and and he's a very good defender he's a great rebounder he's a very good basketball player but there there are times where he stands around and and he watches mm-hmm. watches a rebound and those guys have played a ton of minutes but uh now Looney was great uh this was something it's a little corny so 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 stay <laughs> with me but uh I saw oftentimes that whole Looney thing when they would show the replays of like the pool 3 because I would see it usually be Jason or or Rob or Marcus waiting for the rebound, and then Wiggins or Looney or Draymond, they they'd see it coming, they'd get their hips into them, they get position, and then they go and grab the rebound. Uh, and so, so this is the corny part. I would say if uh, if Boston was getting rebounds, then the Warriors were rebounding. If Boston was making plays, then Golden State was play making. It just they were like if if. Boston was playing basketball and Golden State was hooping. Like they're they're just playing <laughs> like that extra ten percent. They're playing with more effort, yeah. with purpose and passion. One step ahead. Got every fifty fifty ball. And that's what you need. Yeah, you can't afford to have those lapses in concentration even if it's for a second, because you know, winning is decided on those slight margins, those fine margins. Yeah, I mean there's Guess what? There's no game today or tomorrow or for for months because, and I'm not saying that if Boston dove for a couple more, a couple more, um, you know, loose balls or if they 
you know, jumped a little higher on a couple of rebounds that they were going to win the game. Mm-hmm. But they didn't seem like they were playing with that intensity or that mindset either. I have a uh, I have a whole list of stats here. I want to go through just some ugly stats and um, that I think are kind of indicative of the uh, of the game. And if you didn't catch the game, uh, well, this is really all you need to hear. And if you hear these stats, it makes sense why the Warriors won and won the title. Uh, at the half, the Boston bench which was uh, Derek White, Grant Williams, Payne Pritchard. They had two points off one of nine shooting, 0 of 5 from three, and they were combined minus 67 and plus minus. That's from StatMuse. Wow. And uh, this is from Tim Bontemps, NBA writer. With 239 left in the first half, the Warriors were up by 18. Uh, Boston was shooting three of 14 from three. They had 11 turnovers, and they were losing 15 to two in bench scoring. They just had no they had no answer outside of the starting five. They would try to start the second quarter, they put Peyton Pritchard in and they had they had him out and they looked awful. And you know, those two quick timeouts and guess what? Starting five is back in for Boston. They just had they had no answer for anything and they, they couldn't figure out anything, which was, you know, kinda hard to believe after these past couple series, first couple games, where whenever Derek White came in, he he had a great contribution. Grant Williams was good in stretches. In the past couple series, Peyton Pritchard had hit big shots, but they just mm-hmm. had nothing. They were done. Here's what I found. Was it? Oh. Here's what I found. <laughs> Siri, I did not ask you. Yeah, I, I, I feel for those guys because they're all young. Or maybe Derek White's not young. He's like 26. I think he's younger than people think. He, uh, same he's... draft class as Tatum, but he played like okay. two more years in college, I believe. So. Yeah, I was I was kind of rooting for him. Um, I think he was a pretty underrated player in the league. He made a big switch to Boston. And he seemed to just lose his confidence and hit a slump. He was great in that game one. Um, and I would say the same with Grant Williams and uh, Pritchard. Seems like they just lost a bit of confidence. and yeah. it, it was a real ugly combination for White because he lost his confidence in his three-point shot. And the passing was passing was not good too, and you're saying, oh well, if he's not shooting the threes, well, that means he's probably driving, and and he's been a pretty good finisher with a floater. He's had a really good floater and a spin move, but he has every sort of layup has hit off the backboard and then front rimmed and out. Or yep. there was at least one occasion last night where he did a spin move in traffic and the ball just <laughs> went in the air and you know Draymond snatched it. Oh, yeah. He just yeah. looked lost. The moment was too big for him, which is strange because they came from down 10 in game one of the finals in Golden <laughs> State. So as big of a stage as there is. Um, but no, they, they just didn't have it. Um, this is something I, I'm, I don't think we're going to get to today, maybe, maybe next week. But if I'm Boston, based off of the personnel I've seen, I think I need... Another another wing that plays with energy and can be a reliable three sh- three point shooter, which mm-hmm. is what Aaron Neesmith is supposed to be, but Aaron Neesmith is not that. And then yep. I think you need you need another guard, just a, like another veteran, like a if he's if this was a couple years ago, I'd say like a George Hill, but he's a little old now. What about someone like Tyus Jones? I feel like he's a very low maintenance, great fit. That won't take shots away from 
the Jays uh, can kind of settle them down and uh, get them to their spots. I really, I really I guess, like. I think he had like the best assist to assist to turnover ratio in the league. Too. I really like Tyus Jones, but I think he's going to be too expensive. The Celtics they have the the mid level, the taxpayer mid level, which is like five point nine million. And the one mm-hmm. thing I will say is I think the Boston playoff run and seeing how close the team is, I hope that it compels some veterans to sign some more like bargain contracts, like like mm-hmm. an Otto Porter type signing. Like Otto Porter should not yep. be a, pl- a player on the veteran minimum, but he's mm-hmm. on the veteran minimum because he wants to play and win for a championship, which he did with Golden State. Um if Boston can pull a guy like that out, they also have a couple of trade exceptions and they're already in the luxury tax due to playoff bonuses. So I'd like to see them open the checkbooks out and pay to win. Um, or, or, well, not pay to, uh, bad phrasing. <laughs> Sounds funny. Uh, um, be willing to pay the luxury tax to make the team better and, and compete because they, they have the, they should have the ability to acquire some, some quality players, but, it seems like they they just need like some a little more help outside of Tatum and Brown. Maybe even someone like Ricky Rubio. I know like age is a concern and he's coming off a big injury, but seems to be a great player that can come off the bench and he has a ton of experience too. My only uh, thing I'd be a little scared of is Rubio can't really shoot and he can't play a ton of defense, so I don't know how much faith they have in him. But uh, he's coming off, I believe, a torn ACL. So he could sign a one-year vetman prove it deal. So I, I think there's a lot of guys who could fit in that role. So yeah. Brad will have to really start looking at these uh, at who's available. Uh, I, I we'll do more research into this, and I'm sure we'll do a lot of uh, stuff about free agency. That'll be very exciting. But yeah, it's clear Boston isn't quite there, and then. It's going to be a tough road in the East next year. You think Philly will maybe figure it out a little bit. Brooklyn, uh, let's say Ben Simmons plays. They're, they're a real team. Uh, Milwaukee will have Middleton back. They're they're probably the ones I'm circling in red ink. And then Miami's mm-hmm. been linked to, you know, they've been linked to Some big Bradley names. Beal, Donovan yeah. Mitchell. So they could get a guy too. How about them New York Knicks? It's time. Time for what? <laughs> <laughs> Fournier, lead him to the chip. Boston legend. He's not a legend. He was so bad for the Celtics. But we got him <laughs> for like two second round picks, so I can't complain. A uh, couple more more stats here. Uh, I don't know why Jalen Brown continued to attack Draymond so much off the dribble when you saw how much the Warriors put into getting Steph switched on to Al. Because for the mm-hmm. series, Jalen shot 29.4% when guarded by Draymond. 1 of 15 from 3. That's from StatMuse. Maybe it's because game 1 that he, he had good success. Um, I think game 2 even started well. But he... Every time, like Draymond knew which way he was going to go. He got a block or he got his hand in there. And he... Yeah. I just don't know why they yeah. kept going to it. It seemed like Horford was having... I mean, obviously Horford against Steph is a much easier matchup than Brown against Draymond, but there were a couple times when Horford had Steph in the post and then he'd get the ball and end up passing it back out. It seemed like Steph was really 
playing hard on defense and you know not making it easy for him there is the i think the one that everyone circled uh he was backing down steph in, in the post al and then instead of going up i think he passed it to tatum on the perimeter he yeah. uh he pump fakes gets wiggins in the air and then he shoots a three and i think it front rims like super front rims like it goes straight down and obviously if he makes it everyone's everyone's saying great play and everything good job right decision mm-hmm. but like just get the easy yeah. looks um but sort of to to recap what uh what was going on in the game uh this was something uh eddie house celtics legend he was saying at halftime that uh uh, Jalen and Jason and Stephen Clay, they both combined for the same uh, shooting from the field. They were both combined to be 10 of 21. But uh, Golden State had great contributions from Draymond, Poole, and Porter in terms of scoring, and Boston didn't have anything. And then the second half, Tatum mm. disappeared. So as much as um, uh, you know, Jalen and Jason left some room to be desired, I would say they needed yeah. more help. Yeah, absolutely. They really had no- nothing off the bench, like literally nothing. Uh, this was something I, I I don't know who said it. I think it was maybe Steve Kerr or maybe it was a commentator. But they were saying that this Warriors team was the least talented of any of the ones that won the championship. Now, I was just thinking like that 2015 team, they were good, but yeah. they had Harrison Barnes, who was... Barbosa, okay. Barbosa, Livingston, uh, uh, obviously Igudala. Mm-hmm. Uh, who there? Can't they, I know there's like one other guy who played for them. Uh, I think they had another big. Oh, it was Spates on that team. Um. Yeah, Spates was on I that knew team. Th- they also had. The old Vergeau. Oh, right. He was going to get a ring, whatever team won, because he was on the Cavs. Ian early. Clark, Bogut. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like this team was more talented. <laughs> like, I think Steph is better than he was then. Clay might be worse. Draymond's probably like the same. Looney and Bogut mm-hmm. are kind of a wash. Uh, Wiggins is maybe as good as Iguodala was then. And then, yeah, and then Poole was better than than livingston probably uh and then you know they had moody and kaminga didn't even play toscano anderson mm-hmm. uh auto porter was also very very good for golden state very good i don't know, i feel like this team was more talented than that team yeah i think they had more depth uh, maybe not like individual talent wise maybe they don't match up as well but just in terms of depth i think it all evened out and maybe this team edged that 2015 team little weird aside but i was just it was in my brain i was like that doesn't that doesn't add up for me uh let me we'll just wrap it up uh quickly i want to talk about tatum uh we were saying i thought it was a little weird they didn't really run any plays for him he was standing in the corner a lot and then the one time was uh they they it was a driving kick to tatum he was in the the short corner he like he was kind of open for a three. He didn't take it, and then he steps mm-hmm. out of bounds. Yep. I, he just didn't know what to do with it. He didn't know what he wanted to do, and he didn't take the initiative in trying to get to it. And this was weird because he didn't live up to the moment because he really did against Durant and Giannis 
and Jimmy, and he always seemed to have a sense for the moment and in terms of legacy. Yeah. I mean, he played great in t- with Team USA in the gold medal game, and he's played mm-hmm. great in these closeout games. We referenced it in a TikTok we made uh, yesterday. Granted, that kind of aged poorly, but I, in my defense, I will say that it was an observation of the stats. Yep, absolutely. And uh, it was not a prediction that he's going to play great or anything. Grant, it's still aged <laughs> poorly. But uh, yeah, he's just, he, he didn't have the sense for a moment, which I have not seen out of him. And even as a rookie in the playoffs against uh, LeBron, deep in that 2018 uh, playoffs, he had a sense for the moment, but he, he just didn't last night. Mm. Yeah. Do you think it was like more of a mental block, something that he needs to figure out in this offseason? Or... I, I think they did a great job of figuring out what he likes to do, and Wiggins took that away. And he, I think he's super mentally and physically fatigued. Here's a, This is yeah. not an excuse. Again, I'd like to clarify I'm not excusing these guys. <laughs> uh, but yep. here's some interesting stats. But minutes played over the last three seasons. Tatum is first in minutes played. Uh, Jalen Brown's 10th. Marcus Smart's 20th. That's from Ryan Bernardoni on Twitter. And also, these last three NBA seasons have been some of the quickest seasons in terms of succession. Because due to the bubble, mm-hmm. the 2020 season ended around like September, I think. And Boston played through the Eastern Conference Finals. And then the 2021 season ended later last year. It was like late June or early July, I think. And Boston, they lost in the first round, but they still played in the playoffs. And then Tatum played in the Olympics through the gold medal game, which is as much as you could play. And somewhat unrelated Tatum at COVID last year. Yeah, true. Oh, yeah. And then this season, it started on time, but still a quick turnaround from the Olympics to to the season. And Tatum played through game six of the finals as the high-volume number one option. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of minutes for a young guy. And it's, it's just a lot to handle. I think Jason Tatum can handle it. I think he can be that guy. But when he started to miss multiple free throws in one trip, when he was airballing or front, like super badly front rimming, like multiple shots in one game, like more than one, then it just seemed like, I don't think there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I think the shoulder is okay, but he just, he just looked super exhausted and worn. And, but do you think Tatum can still be that guy? Do you think he can lead and be the number one guy on a, on a championship team. I mean, he very nearly was, but do you yeah. think he can go over that hump? Cause it's like you were saying, it's super hard to get the championship, super hard mm-hmm. to get over that hump. Yeah. I, I absolutely think that they, that he can. Um, I woke up to a lot of uh, JT slander this morning. A lot of JT. And even last night after the game, a lot um, criticizing his handle. Same with JB. And I think we have to get over the fact that, their handle is probably just what it is at this point. Like it's not going to get massively better. And I think the main thing that we can't ignore for Tatum is that he had to do a lot more on defense against Golden State, tracking Curry uh, for like pre-switches, switches. Um, and then when he had to initiate offense, he had Wiggins in front of him, Dre as the help defender. And I, I think people are underestimating how good of a defense that Golden State was against the Celtics. And just putting it more on the Celtics guys for 
quote-unquote not showing up or uh, not playing well. But I think a lot of credit goes to that defense. And I think Tatum, if it wasn't against the Warriors in this finals, I think he would have had a better series just because the way the, the Warriors move off ball so quick, uh, so many switches and all the screens, it's tiresome for any player. And it would have been the same for Giannis, uh, Jimmy Butler, any of those other superstars that people talk about. It, it's so physically and mentally exhausting too because you track a guy all the way through his screen and and it looks yeah. like he's gonna shoot and 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 you get a <laughs> and you get a contestant like oh wow like I did my job and then it's a pump fake teleports Steph just yeah. steps to the side it's a wide open three and and of course it's in <laughs> and yeah. and I think we were saying earlier that. They a couple times in the second half they they were tracking and doing super well through the whole possession through like twenty three seconds, and then you there'd be like a Wiggins contested three or a Steph immediately mm-hmm. off a screen or a Draymond shot and they go in and it just when you put in that much effort, it's just drained. It just yeah. it's it's just a lot. It just it's a real backbreaker as a fan and and obviously as a player. Um, here's a. If if you're a Celtics fan and you are worried about Tatum and Brown, uh, here's some some quick stuff. Uh, these are the ages of these players when they won their first championship. Uh, Steph, he was 26. LeBron, he was 27, and Durant was 28. And uh, for some context, Tatum and Brown are 24 and 25. So it's it's incredibly hard to win a championship at a, at a young age, mm-hmm. and. Uh, now I think they have some room to go. Yeah, I think a lot of people are all doom and gloom. And although I I don't think it's like as clear cut black and white saying that all oh, the Celtics are going to be back up here because like we said before, a lot has to go. A lot has to go in the right direction for a team to get up here. But yeah, these guys have really bright futures and I think this is just another one of those big experiences at a young age that's just going to further like further fuel their development and yeah yeah I mean they've they've gone through almost everything that a young player can do they have lost in in game sixes and sevens on the road of eastern conference finals they've won at home they have uh, Tatum and Brown have done it as the best players on the team. They've done it as more complimentary players. Now they've they've won in a game one on the road in the finals, and they've also lost three games a row in the in the finals. They they've done it all. It's great experience, but um, we're not there yet. But eventually there will be a time where you'll be like, "What is all this experience worth?" If they don't get the end result, we're not there yet. But mm-hmm. it is something to keep in the back of the mind. Uh, just as a closing thought, um, I do think it was a really good series, and it's kind of hard to feel that way immediately after because of the way Golden State really figured it out for three games in a row. But I think it was everything you could ask for in an NBA Finals in terms of elite shot making on both sides, uh, star players, and a lot of uh, competitiveness and some great fan bases. Um yeah, so uh, do you have anything else to uh, you want to talk about? Uh, you know, Tatum, Curry, uh, Mike Breen, mm. uh, Draymond, whatever, <laughs> whatever it may be. Mike Breen. Speaking of Mike Breen, 
like something that was crazy was when he said said Curry had his first free throw attempt with 50 seconds left in the game. I think that was very jarring. And he also said that none of the none of the stars on the Warriors shot a free throw attempt until a minute 30 remaining in the game when Steph got intentionally fouled. When I heard that that was crazy. Now that you say it, yeah, I mean that sounds right. That it's it's very strange coming off of playing the Bucks and the when and the Heat, where if you're the Celtics, you you just see Giannis keep on getting to the line, Butler get on the line, yeah. driving yourself crazy. Yeah. But no, it was it was very clean basketball. They were just mm-hmm. the Warriors were getting more stops, playing smarter, and getting better looks and that's more of a tip the cap you can't you can't pull out the ref excuse you can't really pull out anything you're the better team and uh you know the warriors deserve to win the way they're playing and uh yeah it was a great series and uh just a I thought it was a good season overall good nba season yeah. a lot of great moments yep. uh although i don't know if you saw this it was a couple of weeks ago that that someone was like starting to forecast this but the uh i believe it's the all-star game mvp on team lebron for the past four years has won the finals the all-star and they've MVP won the finals mvp mm. so it started with Kawhi with the raptors okay then uh lebron himself in the bubble then Giannis last year Giannis. and now steph this year wow so so this is all lebron's doing uh, another win for LeBron. Le commissioner. Le commissioner. He, uh, I don't know. I think Tatum should call up LeBron and say, hey, pick me first next year. <laughs> if he wants to win a ring, that's what you need to do. Maybe. So uh, so that's all we got for now. We will come at you early next week. With uh, We'll be back with Garrett and Duncan with some thoughts, a little more wrap-up of this series, and then some uh, NBA draft stuff. Are you excited for the draft, Dan? I am. Who do you got number one? Uh, early prediction. Yeah, so uh, we, we did do a poll. Uh, we'll, we'll do early results on the poll just because you mentioned it. But who should uh, who should be the number one pick of, of, this, uh, of this draft? And so the results, I voted for Chet personally because uh, I kind of talked myself into it because of I like... Uh, just it's a special talent. You don't want to get that thing wrong, but it is split mm-hmm. between Chet and Paolo. Wow. So who'd, who'd be your guy? Just say Jabari. Well, let's just put this face. I'll, I'll go Jabari. Let's go Jabari. Nasty. I mean, he, he projects to be a long elite shot maker. They magic need a number one guy. It could certainly be the case. And you could talk yourself into uh, like his dad was an NBA player. Uh, many mm-hmm. great like they they showed a graphic last night of all the guys Wiggins's dad Steph's dad Clay's dad and those are those are three pretty big guys for the Warriors um or maybe our very own RJ Cole number one number one <laughs> that'd be the most magic pick ever pick another small point guard uh yeah so that that is coming next Thursday six days away but we should be coming to you early next week with uh, just a preview of that special guest for that as well. Someone who's never been on the show. 
So yeah, Ooh. yeah, very spicy. Yeah, so so keep your eyes out for that wherever you listen or watch us. Is Draymond coming? I can't say who the guest is. I can't say. Uh, it could be it maybe LeBron. LeBron said he's he wants to get on some podcasts. LeBron, yeah. come on the show. Come on the pod. Le host. Le guest. <laughs> Uh, so once again, uh, <laughs> Dan, thank you for uh, for coming on. Of course, and uh, we will catch you uh, next time.